Welcome to My Fair Katie, a film review podcast. I, Katie Schimmick, watch movies with my dad. That'd be me, Scott Schimmick. Together we will dive into sometimes deep but hopefully always fun discussions of classic films. Today's movie is The Fly. If she looked upon the horror her husband had become, she would scream for the rest of her life. You like that one? Yeah. I got, I got two more. The monster created by Adam's Gone Wild! Not really. It's not really appropriate. Okay, I got one more. Terrifying, nerve-shattering, blood-curdling! I don't feel like the last one fits. <laughs> I don't think that that movie was that scary for that tagline. I don't know, man. In 1958, that movie would have been pretty scary. Made in 1958, The Fly is a horror classic from the drive-in era. Vincent Price and his creepiness are what made this a classic. Do you know who Vincent Price is? Do you recognize him from anything? No. No? No. Do you remember the Thriller video with Michael Jackson? Yeah. You know at the end, there's the speaking part? Yeah. And then the the creepy laugh? Yeah. That's Vincent Price. Really? Yeah. Oh. He was known for that. That, Like, his his voice is kind of creepy even on its own, isn't it? Yeah. He was perfect for these things. David Haddison, who uh, passed away this past summer, he plays the scientist. He is recognizable to anyone who watched reruns in the 70s and 80s as he was the heavy in just about every TV show that was on. The Fly is based on a short story by Georges Langelon. The screenplay was adapted by noted novelist James Clavell, which uh, he also wrote screenplays for The Great Escape and To Serve With Love. Do you like The Great Escape? Yeah. In Montreal, scientist Andre... Hey, sorry. I hate to interrupt you, but... (laughs) Did you notice that this movie started with a black cat walking across the street? Yeah. <laughs> like, that is the ultimate Halloween movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> in Montreal, scientist André Delam is found dead with his head and arm crushed in a hydraulic press. Although his wife, Helen, confesses to the killing, she refuses to explain why. Acting oddly, she is obsessed with flies, including a supposedly white-headed fly. André's brother, Francois, lies and says that he caught the white-headed fly. Helen then explains the circumstances surrounding Andre's death. Andre, Helen, and their son Philippe are a happy family. Andre has been working on teleportation, a device he calls the Disintegrator Integrator. He initially tests it only on small, inanimate objects, but he then proceeds to living creatures. Feeling successful, he builds a man-sized pair of chambers. Helen is worried because Andre has not come up from the basement for a couple of days. She goes down to find Andre with a black cloth over his head and a deformed left hand. Communicating with type notes only, Andre tells Helen that he tried to transport himself, but that a fly was caught in the chamber with him, which resulted in the mixing of their atoms. Now he has the head and left arm of a fly, and the fly has his miniature head and the left arm, though he keeps his mind. He needs Helen to capture the fly so he can reverse the process. She tries and tries, but cannot find it. The fly's instincts begin to overtake Andre's brain. While Andre is still Andre, he smashes the equipment burns his notes, and leads Helen to the factory. When they arrive, he sets the hydraulic press, puts his head and arm under, and motions for Helen to push the button. Andre's arm falls free as the press descends, and trying not to look, she raises the press, replaces the arm, and activates the machine a second time. Upon hearing this confession, Inspector Charles deems Helen insane and guilty of murder. As they are about to haul her away, Philippe tells Francois he's seen the fly trapped in a web in the back garden. Francois convinces the inspector to see for himself. 
The two men see the fly trapped in the web with both Andre's head and arm. It screams, help me, help me, as a large brown spider closes in on it. Just as the spider is about to devour the creature, Shiraz crutches them both with a big rock. Knowing that nobody would believe the truth, he and Francois decide to declare Andre's death a suicide so that Helen is not convicted of murder. In the end, Helen, Francois, and Philippe resume their daily lives. Some time later, Francois arrives to take his nephew to the zoo. In reply to his nephew's query about his father's death, Francois tells Philippe that searching for the truth is the most important and the most dangerous work in the world. So Rotten Tomatoes gives this a 95. It's not on any AFI lists. Uh, Popcorn gives it a 71, and IMDb is a 7.1. No Oscar nominations, oddly enough. Earmuffs. Nothing really of note, right? There was a little bit of blood, the bright red paint type of blood, so it wasn't uh, it wasn't too disturbing. But for the time, it would have been shocking. There was a child drinking wine. Yeah, <laughs> but it was watered down, so I yeah. guess that makes it okay. And he said that it tasted really good. He did say there's no way he liked that wine. <laughs> oh man, French Canadians are a little odd. Assuming this represents French Canadians. But French Canadians in the world of the fly are really rather odd. <laughs> I don't know if there was any smoking or anything. I don't think there was, no, think which was weird for a movie from 1958. Oh, and there was some murder. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> there were some upsetting scenes, but they weren't terribly upsetting. There was the fly head, which we'll get to. Him screaming. It looked like a mascot for, you know, like like if Georgia Tech's sister school was the flies, it kind of looked like that. <laughs> and then there was the help me, which was, you know. Kind of creepy. That, was, that was a little disturbing. I can see that. And also the screaming in the beginning. Yeah. That was kind of weird. Yeah. So. But overall, not too bad. No. No, definitely nothing to stay away from. Yeah. So in the 50s, giant monster movies were a big deal. Now, while this isn't a giant monster movie kind of I'm going to lump it in with those other ones because the theme of these movies is about you know the dangers of science because at the time if you think about where the world was at we kept testing bigger and bigger nuclear bombs and there were other you know jet travel was coming and there was all these things in the world was changing so fast after World War II that people were scared of science and change and technology and didn't really necessarily embrace it that much there was the one vision of the future where the robots would be doing everything. They'd do your cooking and cleaning and you wouldn't have to do any work. And then there was the other side of it, which was this side of technology, which was the giant monster side, you know, ants the size of a house and things like that. So I lump it up with that because it's really about, you know, how scary science can be. So do you like these giant monster movies? Yeah. Do you? Yeah, I like them because they're, they're like scary, but fun scary instead of like i can't go to sleep tonight scary yeah they are they are kind of fun <laughs> they're not really scary they, this would have been terrifying in 1958 let's not kid ourselves here this would have been pretty scary stuff pretty intense when she rips off the thing and sees his fly head and screams it's a pretty good scream yeah it was kind of good <laughs> she's a good actress well i don't know about that but it was a pretty good scream she's a good horror movie actress yeah so Who's our hero in this? Would it be Andre Delam? Uh, yeah, because um, at the end he realized that the fly was taking over, so he saved everybody around him. 
So what were Andre's motivations in the beginning of the movie? He was transporting atoms to try to move people, things and people from one place to another. Great, wouldn't it? Imagine if you could just instantly appear somewhere else. That would save a lot of gas. <laughs> be very good for the environment, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. I wonder how much... It can't have taken up that much electricity to power these things, because he was doing it in his basement lab. Yeah. But like... he was like a millionaire. Yeah, but it was still in his basement lab. So he was still plugging this stuff into the wall socket. Oh, yeah. It's not like he had a big, giant power source. Or, you know, sucking half the power from Montreal when he would run this thing. Nobody seemed to notice. If you could build a teleporter that did that, it would significantly reduce the carbon footprint mm-hmm. of humans on the world if we could basically get rid of travel. Yeah. Imagine everybody would have their own teleporter. No going to the airport. No waiting in security lines. No taking off your shoes. People would lose a lot of jobs, though. Like bus drivers, school bus drivers, Uber. Grandpa (laughs) wouldn't have a job anymore. (laughs) So, yeah, there would be, but it would be replaced with all kinds of other jobs. Like building teleporters, installing (laughs) teleporters, fixing teleporters. Because, you know, imagine if your teleporter's out and you're late for work. Oh, yeah. Honey, can I use your teleporter? I'm late for work and mine is broken. (laughs) Mine's on the fritz. (laughs) Would you only need one? You'd only need one, though. But it was like from, it was like a box to another box. Yeah, but you only need one at your house. Oh, yeah, because there would be boxes There would be one at work, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? You'd have one at work, you'd have one, you know, at the mall, you'd have one at at the store. That's a good idea. And then you'd have to get, like, a subscription service from, like, Verizon <laughs> to pay for each time you teleported. Because they'd have to disintegrate you and reintegrate you. <laughs> right? Yeah. And then you'd call it Verizon and you'd be like, my hat's backward. <laughs> I want compensation. <laughs> uh, so what choices would you have made that would have been different than Andre made? I would have not teleported myself. <laughs> yeah, well, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> would you have, think you would have seen the danger of the teleportation at yeah. the beginning? Yeah. Do you think so? Yeah, because... Because you've seen the movie The Fly? Because of the cat. What happened to the cat? When he transported it, something wrong happened. So then you could... It didn't transport to the other box, so you could just hear the cat. It's Adams going at his face. <laughs> it was meowing. We'll get to that later. Anybody else you would call a hero? Francois. Francois the hero? Yeah, because he saved. Well, he didn't save Helen's life, but he made it a lot better. Well, he kind of saved her life. She was going to go to the nut house for the rest of her life. Yeah. Well, he had to lie to her to get there and tell her that he had the fly so she would confess. Because remember, she wasn't telling the truth about anything. Yeah, but he helped her in the end. He did only because Philippe found the... Maybe Philippe is the hero. Because he's the one who found the fly. Oh, yeah. But wouldn't she lie to somebody to save their life? Probably. I would have picked Helene as the hero. It's all told from her perspective. She's the driving force behind everything. It's her... She's the murderer who's being accused. And in the end, absolved. You don't like that choice? I do. Because then who are we going to talk about in the bad guy section? The fly. Oh, the post-teleportation, Andre. Yeah. Yeah. 
Maifère Kelly vous est présenté seulement par la frère du Amblé Electrons. Pour les dernières innovations en matière de transport des particules, les frères de l'âme sont le leader du secteur. Le réintégrateur est maintenant disponible. Nous pouvons transporter vos marchandises à la vitesse de la lumière. Ce n'est pas vraiment physiquement possible, mais nous affirmons que c'est quand même. Attention aux objets étrangers dans le transporteur. Appelez la frère d'Amblé Ajaoui ou visitez-nous sur la web. Just because you're a bad guy doesn't mean you're a bad guy. So what were the motivations of the bad guy? Who would that be? Andre, post-fly, post-transportation? Yeah. Yeah, Andre. What were his motivations as the fly? To destroy the world. <laughs> I don't know. It's a fly. To get sugar. <laughs> <laughs> to ruin your picnic. To annoy you as much as you can. Yeah, to kill Helen, apparently. Yeah. Well, it dragged her into the press. Almost got her too, didn't he? Yeah. Did Did he have a point? Did the fly have a point? Yeah. Well, when he was trying to drag Helen into the press because she was trying to kill him. That's a, that's very good. Yeah, I didn't really think about it that way. I thought he was just trying to destroy her because he did it like attack her with his hand. Oh yeah. I like that. The only thing that kept the fly from destroying with the left hand was a pocket. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I'll pipe my hand and put it in my pocket and then I'll be safe. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'm getting ahead of nitpicking. So what did you think about the filming and cinematography? I thought it was pretty good. I was really happy that it was in color. <laughs> it's only our third color movie, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. We'll have more. Although the next one's in black and white. Sorry. The last two are in color yeah. for this season. And then back to black and white. That's okay. Yeah, it's fine. How about the music? Did you like the music? Oh, yeah. And then... I thought it was really good and creepy, and it set the mood for the movie. It did. It, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. You know, there's one thing I don't think you caught. They're playing the music when Francois is sitting on the bench, and the spider web is next to him, but he doesn't know it yet before he goes back inside. Underneath the violin tones, there was a, help me. Oh, I noticed that. Me. Did you notice that? Yeah. Yeah, but it kind of like fit into the music, which yeah, I thought that was, was really, really good. It was good because, you know, it, otherwise it would have been too obvious and you'd be like, why isn't he turning around and looking at the fly <laughs> sitting there yelling, help me? <laughs> okay, so what do you think about the special effects? Let's start with the lab. Did the lab look good? Yeah. Did you like the light, like the neon lights that would go on and off to. Yeah. My question is. When he went inside the box, why did he not put glasses on but before they put glasses on? That's a very good question. It probably would damage his eyes even more being inside of the box. Probably right. How do you know he didn't, by the way? Because I saw him. We saw him go in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, remember? No. When he was trying to not be the fly anymore? But he had a fly head. But his fly eyes could still be damaged. <laughs> and also, he didn't put one on the cat. 
Oh, yeah, he didn't put one on the cat. He didn't yeah. care anything about that cat. The cat I didn't know. even know to close its eyes. Yeah. That was the poor guinea pig. The guinea pig was fine. Probably mm-hmm. blind, but fine. There's really no way to know if the guinea pig was actually blind. But the guinea pig was cute. The guinea pig was cute. And tasty. Stop. I've never eaten guinea pig. But I do know that people eat them. If I ever get a guinea pig, I'm going to name it Chubbins. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, good thing you're not going to get a guinea pig then. What? Yeah. So what about the, uh, at the end? What do you think about the special effects? We'll count the other, co- the other fly as costume, but what about Andre as the fly in the web? That was pretty good. Did you like that? It was yeah. better than I thought it would be. It's, it was kind of creepy, though. That's, it was supposed to be creepy. Yeah, I know. I hadn't seen it in a very, very long time, and I had forgotten that it was actually pretty good, so I was expecting it to be, like, really cheesy. Yeah. You know? And it was a little cheesy, because it just looked like a dude wrapped up <laughs> in some yarn. But he was, like, green makeup on. And, yeah. Yeah. Like, no eyebrows, I think. Actually, didn't look much better than Lord of the Rings when when Frodo was all wrapped up. Looked kind of the same. Did he say help me in that? That would have been funny. <laughs> help me. Help me. Help me. Uh, so what do you think about the costume design? With The fly. I was, okay, go ahead with the fly. No, you can do the fly because I have something else. I was going to ask you first about everybody else's costumes. I really liked Helen's outfits. Did you? Yeah. Her bed clothes? No, her whole outfits. Like, everything she wore was really cool and pretty. Well, yeah, they were really rich. I did notice that Vincent Price was wearing some pretty slick suits. Always had a very nice pocket square that, for some reason, was always crooked. I thought that he looked better in, like, the red robe in the beginning than in a suit. Oh, that was a smoking jacket. Oh, I that wasn't that was... a robe. No, 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 no. You take off your suit coat and you put on a smoking jacket. Oh. Right? And it's supposed to be a little more comfortable and it's got a pocket for your pipe. Oh. I thought that it showed more that they were, like, rich. I'm oh, it does. Yeah. I mean, only super rich people would have a jacket for smoking. <laughs> <laughs> Their pipe. <laughs> yeah. So what about the fly? That was pretty good. Yeah. Well, we talked about that. Was it a makeup or a mask? It was a mask and a a mitten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it didn't it didn't move or anything, so it wasn't puppeted. And while it was scary that the dudes got a fly head, <laughs> it wasn't scary that because it wasn't like like nearly as creepy as an actual fly's head. Yeah. Right. It was more just kind of like a black fuzzy mask with some big eyeballs and a yeah. weird mouth thing, you know. Like, he wasn't even as scary as, like, a character in the Star Wars cantina, the Mos Eisley cantina. <laughs> was he? No. No. I don't even know what that movie is, but I'm just going to go. <gasps> Sorry. Okay, how about the editing of the movie? movie ran about 135. What would you think? I thought that was a pretty good time. Yeah, there wasn't... A lot of the movies we watch, I think some parts are too long, some are too slow, like in Frankenstein. I wanted more at the end. And less of the... A little less of the beginning, but more at the end, definitely. More of the monster terrorizing. Same with Nosferatu. And with Nosferatu, too, definitely. We got very little terrorizing in Nosferatu, and a lot of buildup. Yeah. In this one, 
I thought it was pretty balanced. I mean, there was yeah. enough build up to get you through the science part and figuring things out and caring about who they were. Um, but also, I feel like that time really built up because you were like waiting to see what he looked like. Did you like that it was all told in a flashback? Yeah, I really liked that. I think I know why you liked that. Why? Because it was like a Columbo episode. Oh, yeah. I love Columbo. I know you do. Because you know on Columbo, you see the murder first. Yeah. And then Columbo has to figure it out. But there's pieces of it that you don't know about, like why they committed the murder. You know, in like the background, and Columbo figures that out along with you. This is the same kind of thing. Like, you know she kills him, but you don't know, like, the why. Yeah. And then Vincent Price has to be Columbo. Would this movie have been better if Peter Falk had been the brother? Yeah. It would be a better movie, absolutely. <laughs> Vincent Price adds a creepiness to everything, you know, just the way he looks and talks. But Peter Falk is much more engaging as a person. Mm-hmm. I think he would have been... It could have been really funny yeah. with a scary element. I think yeah. it would have been great. That's a movie I'd like to see. Uh, I miss you, Peter Falk. Titles. Anything interesting in the titles? The Fly? Yeah. It's about a fly, so no. No. Not like a Frankenstein where the studio head comes out and tells you to be afraid and they warn you. that Nothing like that. Yeah. And uh, or no question marks in the titles or anything. <laughs> All right, nitpicking. I got some nitpicks. Let me start with one. So the dude's walking around with a big black cloth on his head, and yet he's typing just fine, which is okay. I could type with my eyes closed. Yeah, me too. But I can't find the typewriter. <laughs> right? And also, how does he know when like the thing ran out? Like, well, There's a ding. Oh. That's what the ding is for. You don't know this because you've never typed on a typewriter and never will type on a typewriter. But when you get... You set it at a different one, but when you get near the end, it goes ding, and then you finish typing your word, and you go and smack it across, and then keep typing, and then it goes ding, and you do the same thing. But if you have like a really long word, and it's like that's what that's you put a dash in, so you know when you hear the ding, you've set it for a certain number of characters, and so you know you can either finish your word, put a dash in, and move the other half down, or not start the next word there. So you might set it for ten characters. And so you know, when you hear the ding, you have enough room for one more word or, you know. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. So I was never that good to know that. I mean, I got pretty fast at typing, but never good enough to, like, hit the ding and do the thing. And and then it wasn't too long after I took typing in high school that we started using computers. No more than 20 years or so. <laughs> We actually had a computer at home when I took typing. I like typing. So much fun. (laughs) Sometimes in my computers that I'll just type, like, words. Do you type notes and pass them under the door to Lily? Like, bring me a bowl of milk with some rum? What's with the rum? He wants to get drunk? He's supposed to be working. Why is he drinking rum? This is another nitpick, by the way. Do flies (laughs) crave rum? And why milk? I thought at first he was the cat. Like, when he asked for milk. <laughs> you thought he was going to be a cat. <laughs> like, because of the atoms were in the air. <laughs> if it wasn't called the fly, that would have been a reasonable assumption. <laughs> 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 That's pretty good. Uh, do you have any? I don't know if this is more of a nitpick or an unanswered question, but after he's dead and she's pretending to be crazy... Why does she care so much about the fly? 
It's a good question. I'll tell you what I think. And I don't know that it really is satisfactory. But what I think is, is that she promised him she would kill him and then the fly, catch and kill the fly. Because he didn't want to live as a part fly. Because he knew that as he was losing, or I guess he assumed, as he was losing uh, his reason within the fly head, he would be gaining human reason within the human head on the fly. Oh. So he didn't want to live like that. It would be like, if I turn into a zombie, kill me. Because I don't want to live as a zombie. No, I'm serious. If I turn into a zombie, kill me. Because I don't want to live as a zombie. (laughs) Okay? That's your job. Anybody you know and like, if they turn into a zombie, you kill them. But what if they don't want to be killed? What if, like, they really like zombies and they want to be a zombie? If you get that explicitly written beforehand, then it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) What if I'm charged for murder if you turn into a zombie? You know, that's a good question about zombie movies. I guess it becomes like the purge when there's a zombie outbreak. Like, anything goes. You could just, you could kill anybody you want and just say, oh, they were a zombie. If there were no laws, the crime rate would be... Let's talk about zombies next week. No, 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 no. If there were no laws, the crime rate would be 0%. Okay, that's a valid point. (laughs) But let's talk about zombies next week. Okay. Because next week we're doing Night of the Living Dead. Seminal zombie movie. Not the first, but the most important. Okay. Okay. I have an unanswered question. Since we're doing it, we're mixing up nitpicks and unanswered questions here. This one's about the cat. What happened to the cat? Why can we hear the cat meow? Because he's disappearing into space. Okay, but if it disintegrated his atoms, did it just integrate his larynx and enough of his of the speech center of its brain so that it could meow? And so like there's a larynx sitting somewhere? That's meowing, like up on a shelf or something, and the rest of the cat disappeared and is just singular atoms spread across the room like dust. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Why would the cat be meowing? I don't know. It's like, or does the cat have a ghost? And this is also a ghost and a monster movie. I think that the cat meowed to show that the cat like was just going up into space. His atoms are going up into space. Just going into space. Yeah. That's what they said. Yeah. Which, speaking of that, I have another nitpick. Adams can't move at the speed of light. He says they're moving at the speed of light from here to there. Photons move at the speed of light. Adams don't move at the speed of light. Because I can't move at the speed of light and I'm made of atoms. I can almost move at the speed of light because I'm pretty fast. But I can't (laughs) quite move at the speed of light. But no, seriously, if an atom moved at the speed of light, it would like affect the space-time continuum. It's impossible. Albert Einstein proved it to be impossible. So, that doesn't work for me. That's a nit. I mean, he doesn't have to say they're at the speed of light. It doesn't change the story. And also, his explanation was actually used later in a movie that we all love. What? Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, yeah. Remember when Mike TV, when, when he was oh. going through this, I'm thinking Mike, I think it was Mike TV. <laughs> it breaks down in a million little pieces and shoots you across the room. <laughs> and they're walking around and you can see the little pieces of Mike oh, yeah. and the chocolate bar up ahead. <laughs> yeah, that's that's all I could think of when I watched that. Not this movie's fault because that was 20 years later, 15 years later, but still, you know. Do you have any other ones? He's such a nerd. <sighs> I'm cutting that out. 
So do you have any other ones? Yeah, when like they found the body there, wouldn't they be able to tell that it was a fly's head? Because it's not like it disappeared when it got smushed. No, it would have it would have rolled out into one long giant yeah. head like a cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> he would have picked it up and somebody would have like blown into it and it would blown back up into the regular fly head. Ew. <laughs> well, I mean, you just squish like You've never seen these cartoons, have you? I have, but that's kind of disgusting. You really haven't seen many of them. But how would you blow it up? I don't know. Would you, like, stab a hole in their head and then blow it up? And no, because when that happens in a cartoon, like, there's, like, a little, like, balloon thing and you just blow it up like a balloon. And then they would start talking and everything would be fine and you just set it right back down on the head. That's how a cartoon would work. I was you, being funny. You didn't let me watch well, violent cartoons. No, I didn't. So, okay, I wasn't so being funny. Fault. I was trying to be... Yeah. <laughs> no, that's good. That was good parenting. All right, the big picture. So, what's the uh, message or meaning of the film? Don't experiment. Experiment with living animals, living things, because then you turn into a fly. Also, how does he not notice that a fly comes into the chamber with him? Because that fly—it's a little really tiny loud. fly. But it was really loud. It was like okay, bzzz, bzzz. you're right. The flies in this movie are extraordinarily loud. Yeah. And there's a lot of them in this really nice house. Yeah. I mean, there's just flies everywhere. Do they have like what? sugar just piled up everywhere? Rotting hamburger meat spread around the house. It's disgusting. Maybe it's because there's a little boy, and the little boy smells bad. Little boys do smell bad, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the message of the film, so probably similar to like Frankenstein's, right? Yeah. Where the theme is, you know, the dangers of playing God, which is in essence what he's trying to do. Yeah. To make a miracle happen. Do you think it has a oh, scene? Wait. I have another nitpick. Yeah. N- none of them even seem like, even his brother don't even seem too upset about their, like his brother dying. No. No, it seems like everything took place basically over like two days. And she's not shaken up at all that her... Her husband just died. Well, not just died, turned into a hideous monster and then she helped to kill him. Yeah. She doesn't seem nearly shaken up enough about that. Even even though like um, it was months later that they told Philippe that how the dad died, like wouldn't you still be really upset about that? I would hope so. I would still be upset about that. I would hope so. But being upset probably ruins the horror aspect of it. Yeah. I don't know. Or maybe it would add to it. Vincent Price doesn't seem like he gets upset, though. Like, that's not... That's not how he rolls. You think it has the same meaning today? Getting back to the message of the movie. Yeah, especially because nowadays there's more technology than there was in the 50s. So... Like maybe the government's hiding from us that you could actually do this stuff. <laughs> maybe they're doing it already. Yeah. At Area 51. Yeah. Yeah. Also, you know, the unintended consequences of all kinds of technologies is an issue. And still is. Although we're not nearly as afraid of technology as we were in the 50s. We should be even more afraid, though. We're not as afraid, and we're not as hopeful at the same time. Oh, yeah. Like, there were so many cartoons. Wasn't there like a whole cartoon based the on Jetsons. the future? Yeah. Yeah. Flying cars. Robots do your cleaning. We finally have a Roomba, but we yeah, don't have a flying car. There's self-driving cars, though. 
yeah, I will. I like driving, but I want my car to fly. I'm still pretty upset about it. Okay, my dad told me two things were going to happen by the time I reached his age, which would have been like 40-ish, 30s. I'm way past that now. He told me I would have a flying car, nope. and I would have a TV the size of my wall nope. that was no thicker than you know a couple of inches. Wait, but you can get a projector. I could get a projector. That... And I've got TVs that are pretty close. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> TVs are getting up there to where... Yeah. Maybe they're not a whole wall. You can get them a whole wall, but it's pretty yeah. common to have a TV that it's pretty big. in the 1980s would have seemed like a whole wall. So he was right about that one, but he was way off base about the flying car, and I'm still upset about that. Like, I'm taking it personally. <laughs> I mean, my car is pretty fast, but it doesn't fly. So how about overall in cinema history? Where do you think this, this stands up? Definitely top 100 sci-fi movies. Yeah. You haven't seen 100 sci-fi movies yet, have you? No. <laughs> I don't even know if I've seen 100 movies that are old. Yeah, you have. Really? Uh, pretty close, if you have it. We're getting up there. Depends on what you call old. If we lump in movies, for, just movies before you were born, then you probably have. I've probably seen like 3,000. No. I know, I'm just kidding. And the Katie goes to the Odessa Steps Award. The award for the best scene. So we've got the lab smashing up scene where he freaks out and realizes that the fly is overtaking him and he has to take action now. Mm-hmm. The f- scene where they find the white fly in the spider web and kill it. And then the finale where they talk about how important it is and how dangerous it is to search for the truth. Any any other nominations? No. What do you think? I don't think it's finding the fly because... Even though it, it was still like a fly's body, it was still like a human brain. Yeah, but the scene was powerful, don't you think? Yeah. Because the, the police officer realized that he too was committing the same level of murder that he was accusing Madame Dambre of committing. I think it's um, they're destroying the lab. This is pretty good. I like the he uh, he realized that. He couldn't control it much longer. Yeah. And if he didn't do it now, it would never happen. Yeah. All right, this goes to 11, the word for the most over-the-top moment. So the first one I have, funnily enough, is the lab smashing scene. I put it on there a lot because he's starting to fire in his own basement with his wife right there and his child upstairs. Yeah, and that's millions of dollars. That he's just yeah, who away. cares? He's dead anyway. I mean, he's about to go commit suicide. Yeah, but that's still millions of dollars that he's wasting. He's really rich. Doesn't matter. He has more money than he can spend, according to Vincent Price. And then I, the other one, I've only got two nominees. The other one I've got is Inspector Haras contemplating the murder of the fly as he's uh, already just squished it with a rock and he's realizing his consequences of what he's done. They're not really that over the top. I have this another is, nominee. Yes, thank you. Um, When she's pretending to be crazy for... Philippe's sake she pretends to not remember who Philippe is but she knows who her brother-in-law is Hmm. which like I feel like even if you went crazy you would still know the most important people in your life or none of the important people in your life yeah I don't know I'm not a psychologist but it's a good point but that doesn't answer the question of what was the most over-the-top moment of the movie and then Katie goes to the lab scene yeah, so that was the best scene and the most over the top. It can be both. Yeah. 
the Thomas Mitchell Award, the award for the most delicious side of the movie. I'm still saying that. I have to change the description of it. But it's now the Thomas Mitchell Award. I've got two nominees for this, Nurse Ambersone and Emma. You know what's funny about the nurse? She's Cruella DeVille. Really? Yeah. And you know who the housemate Emma is? No. She's the penguin from the Blues Brothers. The really? nun who keeps smacking them with ruler. <laughs> I love that scene. <laughs> she, she's just smacking it back and forth between the two heads. <laughs> and they're stuck in those little desks. <laughs> That's good stuff. If you haven't seen the Blues Brothers, you should see it on the TV cut. So it takes out a lot of the bad language because it's a little salty. <laughs> like we watched it. Just so everyone knows, we watched it on TV. Anyway, any other nominees for Thomas Mitchell Award? No. No? So what do you think? There really weren't a lot of choices. I mean, there's only the inspector, Francois, Helen, Philippe. I'm not going to put Philippe on here. He was terrible. Why do you think Philippe was terrible? I think the little kid wasn't very interesting, and he wasn't a very good actor. He's Although like... he had quite a long career after this. He did? Yeah, he did lots of stuff. What do you think? You can nominate him if you want. Your word. Katie goes to the nun. The nun? <laughs> you mean the housemaid? Oh, yeah, the housemaid. <laughs> <sighs> right, it's the Pictures That Got Small award. So the first one I have is, of course, Help me. Help me. <laughs> you know what's funny about that? You know what the first line of the movie was that wasn't the security guy who was holding the black cat? It was Helen picking up the phone, and she says, help me, help me. Yeah, how's that? That's good. Blows your mind, right? How did, did you read that online? Or did you no, when that? we were watching the movie, because I know it ends with the fly saying, help me, help me, because that's like <gasps> classic. <laughs> Before we watched the movie, I'm like, remember, I was even saying to you, help me, oh. help me watch this movie. <laughs> you don't remember that? Nope. Yeah, so I knew that. So when she, the first lines of the movie basically are, help me, help me, I thought, oh, that's interesting. We'll bring that up in the podcast. All right, so the help me, of course. All right, the next ones that I have are all from Vincent Price's character, Francois. He was searching for the truth. He almost found a great truth, but for one instant, he was careless. The search for the truth is the most important work in the whole world and the most dangerous. No, Helene and Andre believed in the sacredness of life. They wouldn't harm anything, not even a fly. Except a cat, apparently. Yeah. And a blind guinea pig. And the last one is, you've committed murder, just as Helene did. You killed a fly with a human head. She killed a human with a fly head. So what do you think? You got any more? No. And the Katie goes to, help me, help me. Uh, it's, it is the classic. I don't know why that's not in the AFI 100 quotes. I really don't. Because, seriously, it's a classic. Mm-hmm. All right. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Who won the movie? Not Andre. I don't think anybody did. Because Andre died. Helen lost her husband. Uh-huh. And probably is traumatized. Like, kind of. She seemed okay to me. Okay, well, she lost her husband. And she doesn't have to deal with her husband anymore. She loved her husband. Did she? Yeah. Okay, you say that, but yet he was in the lab for two solid days, didn't come up, and that's when she decides to go check on him. 
seems to me she was glad to be maybe rid of him. she was a gold digger because or like she was only in for it for the money because yeah. he was a millionaire uh-huh uh-huh because that maybe that's why she wasn't upset so she won the movie yeah i'm she, i'm down with that i you sold me all right r-s-p-e-c-t should this movie be remade Oh, yes, it should. And it should be remade by David Cronenberg in 1986, starring Jeff Goldblum. Because, wow, is that a good movie? But it's not 1986. No. Oh, it would be set in 1986? No, they made it in 1986. And it was an excellent movie. It was a super good movie. Really the same concept, same storylines. But it's told from the perspective of a reporter who's reporting on a technology reporter. Oh. And she meets this nerdy guy from Jurassic Park, but nerdier because no leather jacket. Okay? It's before that. He's super nerdy. And he invents this teleportation device, and he can't quite get it right. Mm -hmm. And he finally does, and he puts a baboon in there, which I don't know how you can have a baboon in an apartment because, like, baboons are, like, vicious, horrible animals. But, okay. (laughs) He gets the baboon to go across. Baboon seems fine. So he's like, cool, I'll do it. In his teleportation, he had to be naked. So, you know, he gets naked, he gets in the thing, it comes across. <laughs> Everything seems fine. It's going great. And he feels, he feels like really good. So he does it again. One time he does it there, a fly gets in there. And he goes across. And then he slowly morphs into the fly as it changes his DNA. He just slowly changes. And, he, like, his attitude changes. It starts taking over his mind slowly. But it takes over his body as well. So, like, his girlfriend comes in one day and he's, like, on the ceiling because he's a fly and he can do that because he grows little hairs on his hands and his teeth start falling out and he gets, like, a box of donuts and he just pukes on it and then slurps it up. It's really horrifying and really good. So, yeah, it should be remade. It should totally be remade. And if it were appropriate, we would watch that one, too. But not appropriate for a 12-year-old. But really, really good. If you were to remake it, other than what I just told you of how awesome of a movie it became, what kind of changes would you make to the movie? I would probably make it creepier. <laughs> yeah, it could use a little bit of that, couldn't it? Yeah. And a little bit more of him turning into a fly. And the fly taking over him. Yeah, It yes, and that's what made the new one good. Was It the was more about one. that. The new one. Ah! <laughs> is the new Actually, one. Actually, wait a minute. We're... That fly was closer to the original fly than we are to the remake. So, yeah, I guess I can't say the new one anymore. But, yes, the creepiness would definitely be better, wouldn't it? Yeah. I got a question. I'm going to go. I'm going to step back. How does he go through the thing and then just instantly have a fly head? Like, but he still has a human brain. Like, he's still thinking like himself, but there's, like, a fly head. And I'm not going to get into the whole thing about fly vision and all that. Because I don't think that's really how... It did show you his vision. Yeah, but I don't think that's really how flies see. But it it made a cool effect. It made a really cool shot that we didn't talk about. Oh, yeah, when has like... Yeah, but it was, like, dozens of her faces around, Mm -hmm. just screaming. Wasn't that on the movie poster? uh, Yeah, it was that scream on the movie poster, just one picture. It was a good movie poster. So what do you think? I don't know. Maybe he, since he was down there for like two days. 
He slowly morphed into that. Yeah. And then the other thing is, how could the other fly with the human head still think like a fly but have a human head? And wait, he's got the itty-bitty little brain. How is he able to talk with the itty-bitty little brain, with the itty-bitty little fly brain, and like no English? I don't know why you're asking me. I'm just throwing it out there. He, You're right, he does then become more human-like. Yeah. Because, assuming, because the fly was, uh, you know, the other body was becoming more fly-like. Yeah. Would the fly be super smart if it had a big brain? Whoa, how scary would that be if there was a super smart fly? That would be really scary. Because they're pretty cunning already. All right, Michael Myers scale. One to ten. One being my best friend's wedding and ten being Halloween. Where would you rank this? Three to four. Ooh. It wasn't that scary. You jumped? That's because I wanted to be scared. I wanted it to have a scary effect. All right, fine. All right, the big did, picture. Did you think it was scary or not? I, um... Did you think it was an um, 11 and a half? Did it scare you? No, it didn't really scare me. I was a lot more scared by the second one, the remake. So, big picture, my brief takeaway... I think it's okay. I think it still kind of holds up, at least as a fun watch. I don't know that it's a horror movie anymore, but it's certainly a fun watch from a sci-fi perspective. And Vincent Price is always a delight to watch. What do you think? I thought that it was also a really good movie, and it was fun, but not scary. Did you like Vincent Price? Yeah. So would you recommend this? Yeah. To whom? Anybody who doesn't have a phobia of flies. So spiders. Oh yeah. Wait. Well, imagine the spider it would take to eat Andre. <laughs> Probably a spider. It would from be Australia. like. <laughs> oh, you took my joke. You took my joke. <laughs> All right, Katie, say that's a wrap. That's a wrap. Oh, All right, Katie, that's a wrap. <laughs> Let me try it again. That's a wrap, Katie. This episode of My Fair Katie was written and produced by Scott and Katie Schimmick. A special thanks for our music to Marty Charty Esquire, the best IP lawyer on this side of the Hudson.